God's Word this evening to the Gospel according to John, the first chapter. John chapter 1. We're going to begin reading at verse 29 and then read through the end of the chapter. Um, our message tonight is verses 43 through the end as we think about the man who is mentioned here and the passage uh, centers on as far as the human is concerned and that is Nathaniel. but we read it in the context of what is taking place. Obviously, if we're in John chapter 1, we're very early in the ministry of Jesus. Verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said. After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? 
you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let's again bow in prayer. I have a Father, we thank you for the Bible. Some of these stories we read many times, and yet they still bring a thrill to our heart when we hear it. We think of the time when we accepted you as our Lord and Savior. We thought I was put it off for years, but we accepted you. We thank you for that. We thank you as we hear the word proclaimed tonight that we may remind of that, and we may even smile a bit as we think about what happened in our life. We pray that what the word we know it'll be Pastor Bod's voice, but we know it'll be your word, and we desire to hear it. Maybe hear it, and maybe it be a cause of worship to you, just to hear your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. And amen. The last of our summer series, as uh, tomorrow becomes fall, so today still qualifies as summer. Although for most of us, we end up thinking that summer ends at Labor Day. Uh, We're not quite there yet. And so this will end our summer series of those uh, with the letter N. Lord willing, we'll take up uh, a study uh, a little more doctrinal uh, in the weeks that lie ahead to sort of correspond with where we are uh, on Wednesday nights, uh, dealing with various other denominations and So in our worship on Sunday night, we'll be setting uh, the foundation of that which we believe so that as we come to uh, various denominations uh, that we will be examining on those Wednesday nights, we'll we'll have the foundation upon which to to do some comparison. Hopefully and prayerfully that will be a a blessing to all of us uh, in that regard. And so tonight we want to look at Nathaniel. I want to note three things about him from our passage tonight that we have before us. First of all, that Nathaniel was called. Secondly, that Nathaniel was addressed. And thirdly, that Nathaniel was blessed. First of all, that he was called. Now, there is some question as to exactly where he is as we uh, read verse 43. The next day... Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he finds Philip. Philip is from Bethsaida, which is also where Peter and Andrew are from. So we have at least Philip, Peter, and Andrew from the city of Bethsaida, and it would probably be safe to say that's where he meets Philip. The name Bethsaida means house of fish which is the appropriate name because we know that these gentlemen, along with the sons of Zebedee, who are soon to be called to follow as well, are all fishermen. This is uh, the the fisher's place. One of the archaeological structures that uh, has been discovered in Bethsaida is indeed a fisherman's house. Uh, it's, It's quite a place given the day. And so... We, we come to understand that this was a pretty lucrative place for fishing. You know, sometimes I think we think that these guys perhaps were poor fishermen. Um, but I'm not sure we have uh, a lot 
to go on in regards to that. Maybe it's just we want to think they are. But when Peter says, we have left all to follow you, that might not have been a small amount. That might have been quite a lucrative business that they were turning their backs upon. But this is the place, Bethsaida. It's way, way up top uh, of the Sea of Galilee. Um, the Jordan River enters the Sea of Galilee up top, goes, empties into the Sea of Galilee, and then exits at the bottom. So it enters at the north, exits at the south. Up there at the north, where the, the Jordan River enters, is Bethsaida. But it's interesting because Bethsaida seems to be a split city. There is part of it on the west side, which is where this story is taking place, and part of it is on the east side. The east side was Gentile. The west side was Jewish. And the border then becomes the Jordan River. Not an uncommon thing in geography to have a river make the dividing line between uh, countries, between territories, between states. We're pretty used to that as well. Between counties, uh, rivers form and serve in that function. So you have two Bethsaidas, and sometimes when you read through Scripture, you, you have to figure out which one are we in. Are we in the Gentile one or are we in the Jewish side? Here, we're on the Jewish side, at least when we meet Philip. Interesting thing to add to this is Nathaniel is not from Bethsaida. We are told specifically in John chapter 21, verse 2, that Nathaniel is from Cana of Galilee. So the question is, was Nathaniel there in Bethsaida and Philip only went, you know, the next block to find Nathaniel? Or did Philip have it so upon his head that he left Bethsaida and journeyed to Cana for this conversation? Now there's some validity to think it's probably the latter because if you turn to chapter 2 of John, notice where we are. So we have, him being, we have Philip being called in Bethsaida. We then have Philip finding Nathanael and Jesus encountering Nathanael. Then, notice the next thing. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. That's where Jesus is. So, perhaps it's more likely that there was some effort put in on Philip's part. So, as we move past the city in regards to this call, think about Philip. He's the one who had been called. And notice, he's just been called. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, said to him, follow me. Philip comes. First thing he does is go find Nathanael. It's interesting how this is working out, isn't it? Because we also read that's the same thing Andrew did. Andrew's called. What does he do? Find Peter. How hesitant we often become, right? How slow we are in our own personal evangelism, to speak a word of Christ. I mean, it, it's not like they knew the story. It, it's not like they, they had all the complexity of the whole entire word of God. They didn't have the gospel. 
They didn't have the end of the story. They didn't have great doctrinal statements. They didn't have creeds by which to go by. They're simply hearing, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and they follow. And when they follow, they find somebody else as well. I want you to note that as Philip goes and finds Nathanael, listen to the words again. If you have your Bibles open, go to verse 45. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Now just stop there and say, who is that? Who is the him that Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote? The answer to that is Christ. In essence, we have found the Christ. We have found the Messiah. What Moses wrote, what the prophets wrote, was to point us to the Messiah. Notice Philip knows this. Philip understands this. I, I don't, it, it sometimes bewilders me as to why people somehow think that the way to evangelism is to start in the New Testament. Because it's obvious that Philip's evangelism technique is to go to the Old Testament and to say Christ is the fulfillment of that Old Testament. All that Moses wrote, all that the prophets wrote, there begins the foundation of the basis. Why? Because we learn we have a creator who we are responsible to. We learn that, that we are a creation of him that has sinned. That's why we need the Christ. That's why we need the Savior. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Messiah. This is what Philip is doing. He's bringing Nathanael back to the Old Testament that Nathanael is familiar with and is aware of, but he's saying Christ is the one who is the answer. But the last word that Nathanael hears in the Greek order not in our English order, but in the Greek order is the word Nazareth. Nathaniel is met with these two thoughts. Messiah, Nazareth. These are the two ringing things that are coming from Philip. We found the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, first of all, I find that to be kind of an interesting statement. Right? If you say Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, that's like you know him. Right? If you say Floyd, the son of Henry from the city of Chicago, what was the point of saying that unless you have some familiarity? 
the way in which Philip identifies Jesus, not only as the Messiah, but then he says, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, puts him in the historical situation in which Nathanael most likely had some knowledge of Jesus, but not as the Messiah. So Nathanael is left with these two thoughts. Messiah, Nazareth, these two things don't go together. Historically, nothing good, is his quote, comes out of Nazareth. How can that be? Where did you find that proof text? Where was that prophecy? I don't recall that. I don't know how Messiah and Nazareth can go together. Now notice what Philip does. Philip doesn't engage in some sort of evangelistic argument. He just says, come and see. Come and see. My friends, I think too often we make our personal evangelism too tough. Just come and see. Come and see who Jesus really is. Come and hear what he has done. Just come and meet Jesus. Now, I know we don't have Jesus in the sense of being physically present, that we can take him to our, our friend to a spot on earth so we can meet Jesus. But we do have his word. We do have his body. Come and see. Come and see. What are we? You remember this morning? What are we? We are the image bearers of Christ. Come and see. See, when a visitor comes, that's what they're to see, right? When an unbeliever comes through those doors, that's what they're to see. They're to see the image of Christ. This is what Philip's doing. Come, see. This is what you and I are called to do. Come and see. You want to see Christ? Come. Come. What a responsibility falls upon us then as the body of Christ, right? Not to be here in our own personal agendas, not to be here in our own uh, thoughts of pride of who we are, but we're here to be the reflectors of Christ. What would Christ have us do? So quickly, we run to our coffee cup rather than to meet, to greet, to welcome, to extend, to engage. 
This is the great work of evangelism. Short and simple. Come and see. Let me introduce you to the body of Christ. Come and see. Come and hear. Come and listen. This is what Philip does. Come and see. Nathaniel was called to see Jesus. To see the Christ. To see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Secondly, Nathaniel then is addressed because we read that Nathaniel, verse 46, after asking about can anything good, Philip gives the response, come and see. Then, notice, he came, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming. And I want you to note the compliment. As Nathaniel comes, Listen to the words that come from the mouth of Jesus. Now, remember where we were this morning, right? Jesus knows their thought. Jesus knows their intent. Jesus knows the heart of those religious leaders. He knows what the Pharisees and Herodians are up to. He sees through it like a pane of glass. Here comes Nathaniel. What does Jesus see? In this man. What a compliment comes from the mouth of Jesus. The one who sees the heart. The one who sees the mind. The one who sees the soul. Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Behold an Israelite. Another way of stating it is to say in whom there is no guile. You know what the, you know what the imagery of that term in Greek is, it's to bait the hook. Because <laughs> that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're deceiving that, that little fish down there in the pond. Right? We're, we're saying, come on, fishy, have a meal. Yeah, right. Have a meal to your death, buddy. Come on, bite the hook. I'm presenting you a meal, but that's not really what I intend to do. So the word deceit the word guile has behind it the idea of baiting the hook. I see in you, Nathaniel, a man, a true Israelite, a man in whom there is no guile. Now, that phrase, we may go, wow, that's quite a compliment. But no, you got to heap upon that. There's more being said here. Why? Because who is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel? Who do they look back to? Jacob. What is Jacob? He is the man of deceit. He is the man of guile. He is the man of the fish hook. That's what Isaac says about Jacob when he's been deceived by him out of the blessing. Your brother, your brother is full of guile. We read about it in Jacob's actions with Laban. We read about it with Jacob's sons as they deal with the men of Shechem over the, their sister Dinah. They're, they're, they're guys who are always baiting the hook. They're guys who are always full of guile. They're full of deceit. And given where we were this morning in the passage from Mark, aren't they still? 
It's almost as if Jesus is making a comment upon the entire Israelite population and saying, here's a guy, here's an Israelite, and you know what's unique about this guy? There is no guile in him. There is no deceit in him. What an amazing compliment for Christ to peer into the heart and mind and soul of a person. Could he say that about you? Could he say that about me? If we were the one walking up rather than Nathaniel that day, would that comment be the same? Oh yeah, I know you. You're the guy who cheated on your income tax last week. Oh yeah, I know you. You're the guy who forges and kind of shifts the numbers around. Oh, I know, I know, you're the guy who always plays the loopholes in the, in the law. But playing the loophole isn't always moral, isn't it? Is it? Doing something that which is technically legal is not always moral, is it? Oh, no, we have a right to do it. Really? That people have a right to an abortion? The law gives them the right, but we would say it's not moral. Just because the government allows you to do something with your finances does not mean it's morally right to do it. Here is a man in whom there is no guile. There's no little stick being used to somehow to sway the, the animals. There's no little trick. There's no little baiting the hook. Nothing. Nothing. Because this is the word of Jesus who can speak only but the truth. This isn't flattery, this is the truth. In Nathaniel, there was a man who had no deceit. Truly is an amazing compliment that has been given here. But then notice what Jesus does. Nathaniel says to him, verse 48, how do you know me? It's kind of interesting, right? It would have been false of Nathaniel to have said, oh, oh no, Lord, don't, 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 that isn't true because I have plenty of guile. Then he is a man of guile. So he has to acknowledge the truth. Why? Because Christ has acknowledged the truth. He has to acknowledge it. And that's what he does. How do you know me? How do you know my heart? How do you know my soul? How, how do you know the type of person I am? Jesus responds to him and says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Notice Nathaniel's response. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. That's quite a statement, isn't it? That's quite a confession. That's quite an acknowledgement. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Now notice Jesus' response. Notice this encouragement. That's the way I would term it. Jesus responds to Nathanael and says, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? 
Now, at first glance, we may look at that and say, is Jesus calling it into question? No, it's quite the opposite. Jesus is saying, Nathaniel, you believe because of what I told you. You believe because of the word I just spoke. You accept that which I said on face value. You do not question it. You do not argue it. I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. You believe that. Now here comes the amazing part of it. The word that Jesus uses here, the word believe here, is true faith. You truly believe that which you have just said. See, what a contrast to the guys this morning, right? Those religious leaders and those Pharisees and those Herodians with their false and fake flattery. Here is a man, by contrast, who believes who sincerely, with no deceit, with no guile, with no baiting the fish, with no hook. He's not in it for himself. It's not like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to latch on to you because of what I can get. This is a man who just honestly, openly is giving his soul in belief of Jesus Christ. faith. Now, lest you think that his faith is from himself, notice what causes the faith. It's Christ's revelation. Christ reveals, I saw you under the fig tree. Christ is the one who puts it out there as it were. Christ is the one who is, in a sense, calling Nathaniel, and it is Nathaniel now who is responding to the call of Christ. You believe because I said. You believe because I revealed. You believe because of the truth that I spoke. My friends, that is no different than when Christ comes to us in his living word and speaks to us and calls us from that word and we say, Lord, I believe. I believe. Not because that faith is something that comes out of myself, but this is because Christ has revealed himself. And then I want you to note two blessings that the passage tells us about for Nathaniel. You will see greater things than these. And I just want you to think. Nathaniel becomes one of the disciples. He's there in John chapter 21 after the resurrection. They're out there fishing. And Jesus makes a resurrection appearance. Nathaniel is there. In other words, Nathaniel is there, we could say, throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus just said to him, I saw you under a fig tree. 
Nathaniel came to believe, and Jesus said, wow, <laughs> wow. I just had to reveal the truth to you, and you believed. <laughs> and Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than that. You're, you're going to see that which is going to just blow you away. Think about it. Think about it. The next page, on the third day, he goes to Cana of Galilee, and what does he do? He turns water to wine. Think of all those miracles of power that Nathaniel's going to witness. You thought it was something, Nathaniel? You came to believe because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, and you gave faith to that. Oh, Nathaniel, you're going to see much greater things than that. Not in the sense of a condemnation, but a sense of a blessing. I'm going to open your eyes to greater things. My friends, isn't that the truth? Isn't that our experience as well? That when we understand Christ's revelation to us and we place our faith and trust in him, doesn't that just open our eyes to the wonder and the amazing things of God? That wherever we look, wherever our ears hear, we hear of God things. We hear of Jesus things. We hear of the Spirit's work. We stand amazed. Think of the miracles of power. Think of the miracles of healing that Nathaniel, as one of the disciples, is going to witness. The demons cast out, the blind see, the lame are going to walk. He's going to see resurrections. He's going to see Lazarus come forth from the tomb. You believed, Nathaniel, you believed because I said you were under a fig tree. Oh, Nathaniel, the blessing for you, Nathaniel, if you believe because of that, Nathaniel, the blessing is you are going to see greater things. He's going to see the resurrection. He's going to see the resurrected Christ. He's going to meet him in the upper room. He's going to meet him by the sea. He's going to stand on a mountain and he's going to watch Christ descend. Oh, that which Nathaniel is going to get to see in this life, in this world. My friends, that's the promise to all who come to faith in Christ. Our eyes will be opened to see greater things. We'll see the world as it really is. We'll see the work of God in ways. That we never dreamed possible. Jesus isn't done, is he? Look at this last verse, verse 51. And he said to him, and he said to them, greater things you will see. And he said to them, now notice the emphasis, verily, verily, 
Truly, truly, I say unto you. 25 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus is going to repeat that statement. Verily, verily, or truly, truly. Amen and amen. You have my word on it. You can count on it. This is my oath. This is my vow. Christ is actually taking a vow here. And he's vowing to Nathaniel. He's making a pledge to Nathaniel. Not just that Nathaniel would see greater things, but that Nathaniel will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is what your eyes will see someday, Nathaniel. A few weeks ago, I had devotions with the session and I was already working on this sermon and I came to this verse and I said to the guys then, I, I haven't fully been dealing with this verse yet, but it kind of mystifies me. I'm kind of stuck with this verse because I've read through the Gospels. I've read through the life of Jesus. And at no time in the life of Jesus does this event occur in the presence of the disciples. This doesn't happen. Oh, it was prophesied about. Daniel speaks about it in Daniel chapter 7. Jesus himself spoke about it in Matthew 16, and it again is repeated in Matthew chapter 26. Some commentators will take you and, and correspond the guile, as I referenced with Jacob, to the dream of Jacob at Bethel, as he lays there with a stone for his pillow, and he dreams of the angels ascending and descending on that stairway. But then they end and say, well, that's probably the fulfillment. Jesus is just referencing that. And, and I read one commentator who said, yeah, there's a connection, but Jesus has to mean much more than that. You don't say verily, verily. You don't say I promise you. You don't say I take a vow. You will see. You will see. With your eyes, you will see the Son of Man ascending and descending. You will see the angels, excuse me, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so the question is, when does Nathaniel see this? My answer to you is this. It's the same day that you will see it. It's the same day that Job will see it. I know that my Redeemer lives, and in my flesh I shall see God. This is the promise Jesus is giving to Nathaniel, to all those of faith, to you and I. You shall see him. This is what it's all about, folks. We talk about our salvation. We talk about the fact there will be no more suffering, no more tears. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's good. That's blessed. That's going, to be, that's going to be fantastic. The fact that there will be no more death, that there will be no more sin. That is beyond belief. But here it is. This is what it's really all about. This is why Christ came. This is why the Spirit gives us faith. So that someday, with our own eyes, we shall behold him. We shall see the king in all his glory. 
We shall see Christ in the fullness of his splendor. We shall see the angels coming upon him, ascending and descending. We shall see Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what the goal of faith is. That's what God is doing, that we might see Christ with our own eyes someday someday the pledge of Christ to Nathaniel is going to be fulfilled not yet but someday Nathaniel and then do you think Jesus' words? <laughs> you believe because I said you were under a fig tree. Great. But you want to know something, Nathaniel? Someday, your eyes are going to behold my glory. I don't think the fig tree is going to matter too much anymore to Nathaniel. I don't think much, if anything, of this life is going to matter anymore compared to the surpassing blessing of seeing Christ. That's what lies ahead, saint. That's what lies ahead, person of faith. Not only in this life will you see greater things because your eyes will be opened because of faith, but even when your eyes close in death, your body rots in that grave, someday you shall see Christ in all his glory. And God's people say, Amen. Father, thank you. What an encouraging word. What a great blessing to read of this account and this exchange between Christ and Nathaniel. To see, Father, the reward of faith and to know that's for us as well. That's our promise. That's our hope. That's our end. Can't wait, Father, to sing the praise of the one who blesses us so richly. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.